Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we discuss, educate and talk about industry news and hot topics, company reviews and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International. With a career covering nearly two decades, Mining International partners with new and junior miners and larger predominant players in the market. With no further ado, here is your host, Rob Tyson. Hi, it's Rob again, and welcome to another episode of the Dig Deep the Mining podcast. And in this episode, I'm joined by Rocky Smith, CEO of Peak Resources, who's going to tell us about his um, his exciting rare earth project they're developing in Tanzania. So Rocky, will you give us an overview of your company and project and then I've got a few questions to ask you. Okay, sure. Uh, uh, Rob, thank you for having me here. Really appreciate it. A uh, little background on me. I, I was an MD at Mollycorp at the Mountain Pass uh, operation uh, for about six years. Uh, so I have some past history with respect to uh, rare earths. Uh, when I came to uh, Peak, uh, the things that uh, were most attractive to me, starting with the resource uh, being so large and a fairly high concentration, um, and then when we looked at uh, kind of what the process was going to look like, uh, I could tell uh, that it was very similar because of the bastinite site mineralization to the uh, Mountain Pass operation, and uh, for 50 some years. Mountain Pass had a wonderful process that they put in place, and we were using something very similar to that here. So it gave me a lot of confidence uh, that I should come and help these guys kind of get this thing put together. And uh, we've been working on that. We got our bankable feasibility done about 18 months ago. And then we did an uh, optimization uh, review, which we got done at about a year ago which allowed us to increase the rate basically because of the flotation process was optimized. Uh, and there with that, uh, we ended up with uh, a uh, operating cost that was down around $32 uh, per kilogram of NDPR, which is one of the lowest in the world, uh, including the Chinese operations. So I was very pleased with that. And uh, even though we're a pretty small overall producer, uh, we have a very amenable process. Um, the other thing that we are doing is we are making a beneficiated product in our mine in Tanzania, and then we're shipping that concentrate, that beneficiated product to a site in the UK, Teesside, which is a, an old uh, ICI chemical site, which has a lot of the utilities in place that we need to process rare earths, and we're able to we're get, uh, getting a design put together to basically take the concentrate and separate it, the uh, rare earth uh, into their component pieces, which adds value, adds a significant amount of value for uh, the outgoing. Uh, and we have a, on our team uh, a member of uh, Solvay's marketing and sales group, uh, and uh, he was part of their rare earth crew uh, before he came to peak. And so his uh, expertise has uh, act, actually been quite positive for us, uh, talking to the customers out there, 
who he knows very well, and talking about the product mix that we propose to have. You know, I think both these areas, uh, the Tanzanian area of Nguala, uh, and the area around Teesside, Middlesbrough, uh, UK, we're getting really a lot of positive input from the people in both of those areas. They're anxious to have us there, particularly in Nevala, it's mostly a, a farming area, so this is new industry, and it's a large mine. It's one of the biggest mines, rare earth mines out there. Uh, it's probably, at the rate we're mining, going to mine it, it would last us 70, 80 years. So it's a generational type operation. And, uh, and at Teesside, uh, you've got a historic type of a, a, a area where people have really had a, a lot of chemical industries there. They know all about it. It's gone through some cycles from the perspective of ICI and whatnot. But now uh, we're, 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 they're excited to have us and we're excited to be there because of their capabilities in the area and uh, some really positive things coming out of the cost from a reagent perspective and from an environmental perspective, uh, we're seeing some really positive things happen as well. So uh, we're expecting uh, that uh, we'll get uh, our last permit uh, from Tanzania, this special mining permit very soon, begin our finance process and then uh, begin the construction, which should last about 18 months, and then go through a process of starting it up, which is about another full year of uh, startup and ramp up until we get to, to uh, a full rate. And that should be somewhere in the uh, 2021, into 2021, start of 2022 timeframe, which if you look at the curve on the electric cars, you can see that that's going to be excellent timing for coming online and uh, we'd expect to see you know very positive uh, pricing uh, on the NDPR which is 90 percent of the value of this project. Speaking on the marketing side it's uh, commonly known because of all of the battery metals that are going on out there the speed with which this transition is happening but the one thing that's been sort of left behind is the fact that for every battery, there's got to be a motor. And these motors are best when they're producing, when they're using uh, permanent magnet uh, motors with the uh, rare earth NDPR uh, metals in them. And I think uh, sooner or later, the people that lead the EV revolution or the people that will be using, uh, making EV cars, are going to start to recognize the fact that there's additional resources needed to meet the demands coming forward starting in, in about the 2022 timeframe uh, on into the 2040 timeframe. So to build the curve, the, to have the curve they're looking for from a production standpoint, um, more operations are going to have to be added to the mix to uh, keep up with the pace. So, uh, Rob, I don't know if there, you have any questions, but if you have any other questions, I'd be happy to answer them. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I've got some uh, couple questions to ask you. Um, what makes this deposit different, um, special from, especially from other rare earth properties? Well, a couple of things I think are pretty interesting here. One is uh, it's huge. It's a huge deposit. It's bigger than 
the Mountain Pass deposit is bigger than the Linus deposit from an REO perspective. But the other thing that's really interesting about it is on the, the first 26 years of this operation, we'll be mining a weathered bastnesite. And uh, much of the impurities have been washed out of this. We've got a concentration effect on the rare earths, and we've, re we've got almost no phosphates and carbonates in this. Uh, and the uh, radionuclides that are common in, in rare earths are very low in this, in this particular piece. And so for the start of this process, fairly uh, high rare earth concentrations, near 5%, and very amenable uh, to processing. Bastnasite is one of the best minerals, one of the best rare earth minerals from a processing perspective, from a recovery perspective, for a couple of reasons. One is that you can actually change the nature of how you leach this thing. We're going to be uh, leaving behind some of the cerium, which is the lost leader on these uh, rare earth mix of, of, uh, of metals. Uh, whereas when you're doing a monazite, you don't have that same option. You end up having to bring it along with you. So uh, we're going to have a much lower acid concentration, lots less energy going in. The materials of construction going into this plant are quite a bit more common than the exotic materials that you would have uh, for a monazite plant. Uh, Mountain Pass, they, took, they, they did some different types of uh, processing there which also incurred a lot of uh, exotic metals to get that process going in the high acid concentrations and high temperature. With this process that we're using, completely different look. So our, our acid consumption is much lower because we're not extracting a bunch of cerium. All of our downstream processing costs are much lower. And that's one of the big reasons why our operating cost per kilogram of material is is so low and why we think we're going to be one of the uh, world leaders with respect to cost position going forward. Um, in addition, you know, we're at about uh, $365 million for the separation for a plant that does separated products. And if you look at a lot of the plants that are out there, uh, they're, they're much higher or if they're not much higher, then they're just making a concentrate which is going to have a much lower value at the end of the day. So we're pretty happy with where we're at, um, and I think it's a big a, a big advantage for us uh, uh, having such a large deposit and then uh, and having it be a bastardite deposit. Um, why did Peak Resources select the UK's Teesside location? Um, and I suppose more interestingly, um, what impacts? What are the impacts with um, Brexit? Obviously in the news at the moment? Yeah, um, well, I'll start off with why we're in Teesside and then we can talk about Brexit. Um, and, and of course, some of that's probably yet to be determined, but the reason that we're in Teesside is when we got ready to site uh, the refinery, we did a survey uh, from around the world and we checked in China uh, we checked in Tanzania, we checked in the U.S., we checked in Europe, U.K., Oman, Vietnam. So a number of different locations. And what we did is we, we looked at uh, land costs, reagent costs, energy costs, labor costs. We looked at stability of the country 
and uh, we looked at waste disposal. And what and the reason waste disposal becomes important is one of the big issues that we had at Mountain Pass. It's one of the big issues that you have in a lot of different uh, operations out there. You see right now with Linus, they're having a little bit of an issue with Malaysia on waste disposal. So it can be an issue that you need to be addressing. When, <clears throat> when we came to the UK, we looked at, the, at all these different parameters uh, and we located the, this site at uh, Teesside that had a, a deep port and it had an, a brownfield uh, location where the old ICI chemical site was. Uh, and we looked at uh, an area where we were going to be welcomed by the community. Uh, we saw that to be positive. There was uh, other new uh, industrial uh, applications going into that site. And there were a lot of uh, energy the boilers. So they have water and deionized water and steam and gas. And uh, they have uh, waste treatment there and uh, they have reagents close by. So there's a lot of things that are ring circled this, this area that give us the, the infrastructure that we need without really putting a lot of extra money into that. Uh, on top of that, the land costs were quite low. Uh, we were able to secure the land uh, and, uh, and we were reasonably comfortable that any kind of an issue that we have with the land were related to the to the what we find as we dig up things, uh, we're going to get a carrot. We're going to get a credit for that against our purchase price. There's a lot of really positive things that we get out of this. We looked at getting 48 acres. We didn't need 40 acres for this initial plant, but we wanted to have enough room so that when we go forward, we could grow. And so this was one of the big positive things we had. The technical capability of the people that are in the area. When I say that, I mean, you've got a lot of people that are uh, have had heavy industry experience and specialty chemical experience. So we have a big workforce to draw from there. And if you look at the uh, kind of the economics of the that area, you see that it's really quite economic to be in that area. It's quite economic to construct in that area. It's quite economic to operate in that area. And then lastly, uh, reagent-wise, well, not lastly, but reagent-wise, we see uh, two different things. One, uh, these types of processes are really, in, in our case, we're chloralkali-based. So we use a lot of HCl acid. We use a lot of, of caustic. We use soda ash. So those alkali and chloralkali reagents are really important to us. Uh, we have uh, in Runcorn across the country uh, a big chloralkali site, and then also just across the uh, channel, there's a lot of uh, secondary pr uh, manufacturing or by uh, byproduct manufacturing of HCl, uh, which is the biggest product, big, biggest reagent we use. So we've got the capacity to bring byproduct HCl in at a very low cost and also to bring in fresh product from run corn at a reasonable cost as well. Uh, we're not a high energy process because of the way we're doing this particular run. So even though energy costs aren't particularly low, they're not a big part of our total cost, operating cost. So reagent costs, labor costs, and then lastly, 
the environmental cost. Because our material coming in is a low radionuclide, we're able to landfill. We have the capacity to landfill this material into the existing landfills and treat the effluent to a point where it can actually be discharged because it's a brine. We're actually ending up with a saltwater brine, which is what you have in the estuary there. So we're, we're very happy about where we're at, how we're located. Uh, the only other place that was uh, close to uh, Teesside was Vietnam, and there you would have had to buy land to build a tailings pond because there was no, no uh, situation like we have at Teesside. And then also you have, uh, you know, the issues with operating uh, an operation like this in, uh, in Vietnam, which, you know, from a perspective of, of uh, stability, it's not as good as the UK. Not, uh, you know, I just think that uh, language-wise and, and uh, politically, uh, the UK is uh, obviously a really good choice for us. Um, and so that's why we did it. And obviously Brexit as well, obviously, because that's in the news oh, yeah. at the moment at the time <laughs> of this recording. So I'm probably... I, I probably haven't really thought too much about Brexit. I, I mean, and the reason I'll say that is because rare earths, the rare earth metals, are critical metals, and they're critical to the EU. And uh, they're not going to be they're not going to be specifically impacted by Brexit. So when we're moving material from in the U, whether we're selling it in the UK or whether we're selling it in the EU, we're not going to suffer the same kind of consequences that other products would because these are critical elements uh they're going to be exempt from a, a lot of these tariff issues that are currently uh happening now when we bring reagents across the other direction you know that will have some impacts but we can price that into our mix because as these secondary reagents come into uh, our area of consumption it's important for the people that are making these products that have a secondary uh, HCL component that they make those products. So they're going to, they, they want a home for their materials. So we'll price in some uh, uh, effects for Brexit. So it won't hurt our economics at all. Uh, things like uh, the NDPR, initially it's going to be shipped into the, uh, into Asia, into Southeast Asia. Uh, it'll either be going into uh, Japan or, or uh, Thailand or China, someplace like that. Eventually, we'd like to be able to do more work in the UK with the uh, metal conversion and maybe even bring a JB of a magnet producer into somewhere nearby so that we could be supplying somebody uh, in, in uh, either EU or UK as a magnet producer. So well, that's, a, that's a longer term dream that we have, but uh, None of those things right now are significantly uh, bothersome with respect to Brexit. Okay. Um, why did Pete decide to separate the rare earth metals versus selling the concentrate? Um, and how does the cost compare to existing operations? Well, I'd say I mentioned before, a lot of the uh, juniors um, are taking the tack of uh, making a concentrate and either shipping the concentrate to China or someplace like China, or they're uh, extracting them and then making a precipitating and then shipping that to China. And, and there's a lot of reasons to do that. One would be technically you have 
you know, these are difficult operations. Rare earth operations are more difficult than, say, your normal mining operation. Uh, when I came to Mountain Pass, I had 30 years under my belt with a lot of different uh, mining, and I thought I knew a lot about how to do different things. When I got to Mountain Pass, I realized that it was a whole nother level of, of complexity. So part of the reason people don't do it is because it's difficult to be really successful at this uh, if you're going to separate them. You, the example of that is Linus. You know, they, 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 it's taken them quite, they're doing excellent, but it's taken them quite a long time to get all the way to the end where they're really pushing things in a very positive direction. You know, I think uh, that's, the, that's the thing that people, scares people a little bit. The other thing is, you know, I think that uh, there's a ready market People in China want the material, but it's unfortunate. The unfortunate part of that is, for an example, if we took our concentrate and we shipped it to China, we would get about 25% of the value of the metal that's in there. And by the time you take the cost of producing it and shipping it and uh, all of the VAT going into China and any tariffs, if you had tariffs, you'd find out that, you know, you're not making a lot of money. In fact, you're not making virtually very little money. And so uh, if you make a concentrate, uh, carbonate concentrate, maybe you go to, maybe you go up to 40 or 50% of the value that's in there, but still you've got a lot of operating costs to get to that point. So you really, you need to get the maximum value for this. You need to go to the finish line. Uh, to go to the finish line, you need to know what you're doing. And so um, you know, it's a little bit of a hard decision for some people to make. For me, it's not so hard because I've seen this process. I understand what we have to do to get from where we are today to where we want to be at the end. And, uh, you know, I think we're ready to go through that process and get to the end and produce a product that's comparable to what the Chinese currently produce. Okay. Um, how does Peak Resources plan to provide a, a sustainable business model um, going forward? Well, uh, you know, sustainability is, uh, there's a lot of different aspects to s sustainability. We, for an example, in uh, Tanzania, we do a lot of work with uh, uh, our people that are, that are in the villages, our CSR activities are are uh, pretty well accepted there. We build a lot of schools. Uh, we build a lot of teachers' homes. And this is at a point where we're not even producing. We're, we're putting wells in. You know, we, we're trying to make sure that we're having a very positive impact on the people around this area. Uh, ultimately, we'll be doing a lot of the uh, improvements on the roads, and that will help other types of industry get in there eventually uh, you'll you'll see as I said this is a generational type thing so you're going to see people their kids actually get a chance to go get a better a, a different education than, than they've ever had and so I think they'll be bringing uh, new value into the area there so in in uh, Africa in Tanzania you know I, it's going to be a, have a very positive effect on uh, the people of Tanzania and uh, and also the, the nation of Tanzania from an from an economic perspective, in in uh, the UK it's sort of the same thing. We're we're going to be doing a lot of work with the with the community. But the other thing 
that I, you know, we want to talk about here is that we want to, we have a vision, a longer range vision, and that includes uh, putting in a, a recycle process for uh, the magnets so that when magnets actually come to the end of their life, whether they're in cars or wind turbines or whatever, then we'll have the ability to recycle those and bring them back into the process because, um, you know, these are non-renewable resources that we're talking about and we need to come up with a way to do the best we can to recycle as much of that as possible. Uh, we have got a process in pl that uh, we've designed. I think it needs some more work. Uh, it's not in our capital plan today, obviously, but once this plan is put in, once the current plan is put in place, uh, there's going to be a, uh, a series of other plans that will get kicked off. Recycle is one of those. Uh, metal conversion is another. Magnet JV is another. Uh, you know, so there's multiple types of uh, futuristic type looks at how we might expand this, this uh, business and at the same time, you know, have a bigger effect on the people in the areas at, at uh, Millsboro and the people in, in the area in, in Nevada. Okay. Um, and lastly, what's the biggest barrier to Pete getting into uh, operation? Well, I think uh, we've, we've been uh, waiting for the Tanzanians to get us our uh, special mining license, and I think we're getting very close to that, and I'm excited about that. But we'll have a, we'll have our work cut out for us because once we're once we have that in our hand, we have all of our permits. Then we have to go sell this story to the financial world and get the finance that we need to build this project. And that will probably be a hurdle that'll be somewhat difficult. I think a lot of mining companies out there, no matter who they are, could could be uh, lithium projects, could be. Uh, a lot of different types of projects run into the same kind of problem. Resources are not a—they're not a sexy uh, investment. Uh, you know, some places like Canada, where you think resources would be king, uh, now they're financing uh, marijuana. Uh, so they're competing against stuff that's very economic. And and but this electric vehicle transition is going to put a big pinch on the metals that are being produced. And when that happens, the price of these metals are going to start to move in a very positive direction. And what I look to is what I'm what I'm telling people is we need people of vision that can see what's going to be coming, and that can can be a leader in these areas. And I think uh, there are people out there that have this in their mind that can see you know they were part of maybe the first part of the lithium thing or maybe the first part of the cobalt thing, but they can see now that that area is getting very crowded and they need to find the next new thing. Well, I think where Earth is likely to be that place. And I'm that's my pitch to these guys is let's, I wanna find cornerstone investors that not only see what, what needs to happen on the short term, but see what's gonna happen on the long term. And they're gonna be there uh, for the whole thing. And uh, that'll be our, That'll be our uh, mantra going forward, looking for cornerstone investors. Uh, we might not be a big, our market cap might not be big enough to find the, to, to qualify us for some of this stuff, but I think we get our, 
our issues in Tanzania uh, straightened out. We get our offtake agreements uh, coming in, in a, a little more regularity. Uh, the price starts to rise, and I think suddenly people will begin to understand that uh, this is a, a real thing and that they need to they need to come and get involved. When this all went crazy in 2010, 2011, there really wasn't anything there, uh, no real significant basis for that, a lot of speculative type uh, uh, pricing. But now, with this EV process coming in place, it's really got a, a driver to make this thing happen, and I think uh, we're gonna see uh, some significant changes here uh, you know, not that too far out. Okay. Thank you, Rocky, for giving us an insight to uh, peak resources um, and what you're obviously looking to achieve in uh, Tanzania. Um, if our audience wants to find out some more information about, obviously, the company and about the project, how can they go about doing that? Well, uh, one thing that you can do is get on our website. It's uh, peakresources.com.au. And uh, there's a lot of really good information there, starting with uh, what's currently going on, what presentations we're going. There's also uh, some historic information there about Peak, and there's also a white paper on rare earths in general that's out there. You can get it. You can write uh, white paper in the uh, question mark, and it'll land you on the white paper. It's about 120 pages of third-party information on rare earths, all kinds of things around China, the marketing, and the look at what's going to happen going forward. So I, I'd encourage people, if they don't know a lot about rare earths, go to our website and look up the white paper or look at what's all going on there. And uh, uh, you know, we welcome that. And any comment they have, any questions anybody has, uh, they can also send them directly to our general mail and uh, we'll get back with them just as quickly as we can. Yeah. And are you on any social media platforms? Yes, we're on, we're on uh, uh, Facebook, we're on uh, LinkedIn, um, we've got a Twitter account, uh, so we've got a multiple, multiple things going on there. Uh, I don't have the addresses or the names of them right here, but uh, if you go into our webpage, you'll see all of the all of the different things. But uh, Michael Persos, our marketing and sales, he's out there. You can also look him up or myself because most all of us are out there on some format or another. Yeah. And alternatively, if you wanted to contact myself and I can pass any messages on um, to Rocky, my um, email address is rob at mining-international.org. Um, well, thank you again for listening to this uh, Company Project Pitch podcast. And if anyone would like to present their projects or companies, then please get in contact with myself. Um, and until next time, happy mining. Thanks for listening to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. If there are any topics you want discussed or questions you want to ask any guests, then you can email us at rob at mining-international.org. Or you can follow Rob and Mining International on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube for more content and to have your questions answered. Until next time, happy mining.